Welcome to The Dig on the Huskers Radio Network podcast, powered by Emeritus. Featuring Nebraska Volleyball Assistant Coach Kelly Hunter. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome back into another episode of The Dig, an exciting episode because, man, what a road trip for the Huskers over the weekend. And we are also excited to welcome back Kelly Hunter. How much fun was that one? Crazy. Yeah, the the atmosphere at Penn State, it's always a fun place to play. And I think during Big Ten Media Days, they had asked Lexi, where's the most intense, most fun place to play? And she said Penn State. And the funny thing was they actually played that as part of their hype up video before uh, the Penn State team went out to warm up. And Lexi was a little bit, she's kind of like, I'm not, I'm never saying Penn State ever again, (laughs) but they're always a great place to play. And it's definitely one of those really fun environments. And the student section is right on top of the court and their men's volleyball team always comes and, and heckles you. And we actually practiced that, I think Thursday before we left, we had our GAs and some of our staff kind of heckle the girls and just give them a hard time. And so it was really fun practice, but Penn State is just always one of the best environments and with a white out and uh-huh. being sold out and just hyped up. It was it was electric for sure. Who's the best heckler then? On our team? Yeah. BMAG was really good. Our data video guy, he was creative, a little bit mean because that's what we were <laughs> expecting. But we always say like, you can be mean if you're funny. And so the girls were laughing. They had such a good time and all the boys kind of got in on the action. But BMAG was really, really good. So you had to coach them up on, on how to heckle then. Yeah. And just the sensory overload of it being loud in there and and that type of thing. But yeah, some of our our boys needed a little bit of work on their heckling. You know, we we very rarely talk about that, but before we get into the match, but how um, pivotal, how monumental is that staff? You see them kind of standing behind uh, over there with the team throughout matches, but how big are they for, for what you guys do and prep throughout the entire week? Yeah, they're huge just for preparing our girls and giving them kind of the looks that we're going to see when we're going against a different team and just kind of scouting and that type of thing. But they're really involved. They're not just arms in the gym. They're good friends with the girls and they have good relationships with them. And they kind of they help out here and there wherever they can. Their main role is to facilitate and and help with drills. But just going against a big team in every day in practice, like we have ourselves who we play against and then just having those boys simulate some big physical people on the other side, we like to make it harder in practice than it will be in a game. And those guys definitely help out with that. Did, do you all have tryouts for that? Did they all play volleyball? Yeah, most of them played. Yeah. So Brennan played at a small school in Kansas City. Jared played for Mount Olive. So typically it's men's volleyball players who have played before mm-hmm. or who have helped out with club and coaching and that type of thing. But they're they're all former players. Okay, that makes sense. All right, well, let's um, talk about Penn State. First of all, what allowed Penn State to go up 2-0 uh, at the start there? Yeah, the atmosphere, first and foremost, was amazing. They did a really good job packing that facility, amping it up, getting the whiteout going, and just having everyone on the same page. And it was the loudest I have ever heard, I think, any volleyball match, to mm-hmm. be honest. The very yeah. first point when Penn State won, I was not ready for the volume, and I'm sure our girls weren't either. And they did a really good job, that Penn State team, of making adjustments from round one, and they passed really good, a lot better than they did round one, and they got their middle attack involved. And so when you have three options coming at you every single time, it's obviously hard to defend, and they came out in that first set and hit almost 600, which is unreal to hear about. And we we were playing good as well. They were just playing phenomenal. And so just the atmosphere, the matchup, the hype around it, it's its easy to play your best when you're at home and you have that on your side. And they definitely made some adjustments and played great. 
So then what allowed for you guys to settle in and start clawing back into it there in the third set? Yeah, we we had front loaded the atmosphere a ton and just that Penn State was going to give us their best shot. And I think that's something that you can talk about, but you're not really ready for it until it happens. And so I think just the volume, the way Penn State was playing was a little bit, it pushed us back for sure. And then it took us a little bit to settle in. The first set obviously got away from us. The second set, we started to come back, and I think we had a good chance to win it too. Ended up down 0-2, and we go into the locker room, and our captain, Merritt Beeson, is giving kind of a, a stern talk for her. She's usually really sweet, smiley, just kind of steady, but it was a little bit more stern than she usually is, and I think that really kind of snapped everyone out of it and just got them focusing on the things that they needed to do to be better. And I think just as we settled in, in the beginning, every point felt like like we just lost the national championship or something like that. It was just so emotional and so loud. And so I think for them to just kind of accept the environment and accept, okay, here's where we're at. Here's what we need to be better at. And we talked about some offensive, defensive stuff at the break. And I think the break was just a good chance for us to reset, calm down, be a little bit more quiet and a little bit more just focused on what we had to do rather than the environment. You've talked a lot about how this team, it's one point at a time. They never feel like any any opponent's lead is too big, unsurmountable. So, But but what are the dynamics when it's Penn State there and you're down 0-2 in that one? I mean, how did you see them just continue to evolve throughout that, that entire match? Yeah, Merritt had a little interview after the game that we actually watched the next day, and, and she nailed it. We have a team that doesn't have on paper a ton of experience going through adversity, playing in matches like these. And yes, they have a lot of experience as volleyball players, but at this level, they don't have that same experience that other teams do. And Penn State having some fifth-year seniors who have been around the block, they know what they're doing. Merritt kind of said, we're learning as we go because we have to. And I think every time our team has been challenged or faced something new that they haven't seen yet, they've learned during and then made the adjustments and that's a really difficult thing to do especially when you're down so much or the environment is so intense and so just to see them kind of talk amongst each other and make adjustments that the staff didn't even have to give them and a lot of it's mentally and just how they're functioning as a unit out there that's that's all on them and they've done a really good job of just learning as they go and luckily we've been able to learn those lessons quickly and not have to lose one to learn those lessons. I know you, you don't get too emotional, too high, too low, but what were you feeling? Were you thinking, oh, man, this might be the one? Yeah, <laughs> I was a, I was more nervous going into it. Like, mm -hmm. typically, I don't get super nervous, nervous. I mean, every game I'm kind of like, ooh, a little bit, you know, the, just the way it goes. But for that match, I just knew, like, I've played in that environment, and not a lot of them have. Only Lexi's class, Allie, Kennedy, Lindsay have played in that, and then Lindsay wasn't there. So it was just kind of two people who have been in that environment. And so... I knew there was going to be a little bit of that oh crap type moment and they knew it too and we had front loaded that and so I was a little bit more nervous but then as the match went on there was I mean there's never a doubt and I'm, I always try and look at the positives and look at what we're doing well and if, if we like kick a ball over and we win the point I'm just as excited as if we have a great great kill or something like that so for me it's just especially in those matches winning one point is huge and so trying to stay focused on those but I was definitely a little fired up towards the end and a little bit more out of my chair, I would say. How was the celebration in the locker room? What did we do? <laughs> I can't even remember. I was halfway expecting some water, something uh -huh. like that. But I think 
I can't even remember it, to be honest. There was just a lot of joy, a lot of excitement, and then our little debrief was just, wow, what a comeback, way to stay composed, way to learn as we go through that match. Uh, want to dive into Rutgers, but just overall, Merritt Beeson, she's the reigning national player of the week. Uh, her weekend, how just, can you even describe her performances that she had? Yeah, just the way Penn State was defending, they were paying a little bit more attention to our middle. So because of that, you can kind of call plays and make choices offensively from there. And so that's kind of something that a lot of people don't quite understand about volleyball. They're like, are you calling plays? Are you just listening? And there's a little bit of both. But we knew how they were going to defend us. And so, for example, if Becca or Andy went on, a, we call it a B set, where they go a little bit more towards the outside, their middle was following our middles over there. So then that just opened up merit on the backside. And so they, and we were lucky to have middles who were killing that ball too. So they couldn't just sit in the middle and try and block everything. They had to kind of commit to something. So them following our middles a little bit opened up merit. And then just the way she stepped up to the to the occasion and just knew that her team needed her and knew how they were going to defend us and that she would have to have a big night for us to win. And I think you, we saw that again at Rutgers. They were defending the same a little bit, just paying a little bit more attention to our middles, and then that opened up merit even more. And so just seeing her be composed, understand the moment, and understand what her team needed of her was really cool. Is that something Bergen sees in the moment, or are you guys prep for? I mean, how does she know what to do in certain situations? It's a lot of prep and seeing how teams defend other teams, how they defend teams who are similar to us. And so that's a lot of my job is watching the other team's defense and then coming up with a little bit of an offensive game plan from there. So Bergen knew, and we've played them once already, Penn State and Rutgers, so we kind of knew how they were going to defend us. And then we have all this data of what worked last time, what wasn't great for us. So we have kind of that going into it. And then obviously there's our system that we like to play. We don't ever want to change it too much depending on the opponent. And then there's some in-game adjustments too, just saying this person's really hot. Maybe we can set them more balls than we usually do. Or this play we thought was going to work isn't quite working. So we can do this option B. And so there's definitely a lot of work on the forefront and then just watching video and seeing what they do and then some in-game adjustments. So then, you know, again, we, we talked about this after coming off the Wisconsin win. It can be a pretty emotional. You can maybe have a letdown. A lot of teams might might have a letdown coming off a win like that. I mean, Penn State arguably had a, had a letdown coming off the loss. But how did you feel like they responded going into Rutgers? And I know you guys had a great crowd, too. Mm -hmm. We had a day off in between. So that's always kind of a little reset where we traveled that morning. We had a practice there. And then it, it was good to completely flip our mindset now. We're on Rutgers. And... I've said that before about kind of those midweek games versus Wednesday and Saturday. You have time to kind of compartmentalize. And I think they did a good job of that just with a travel day. It was great just for recovery. Obviously, it was a physically demanding match against Penn State, mentally, emotionally demanding. And so to have that day to kind of recover and then flip your mindset, okay, we're on to the next team. And we know that teams get fired up to play us and Rutgers had an amazing crowd. I think it was a new record of 6,700 ish. And so to see that crowd for that program and just to be able to play in front of a big crowd and a lot of Husker fans who were there is, is always really special. And we never take that for, for granted. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about specifically in the Rutgers match. One, there was a point that you guys scored off of an Andy Jackson set. How did you evaluate her set? <laughs> really good. She she had a she had a double. I think not the match before. I don't know, but I could tell that she was trying to redeem herself a little bit. 
they were celebrated pretty pretty big so it seemed like she was pretty pretty pumped that she was able to to set that well yeah the the ball always finds the middles where they have to put their hand up and you'll see refs as soon as the middle puts their hand up the refs like getting this ready and i'm like everyone's a setter in our gym and we train that way so that everyone can go in and set a ball but the ball always finds those middles too <laughs> it's awesome um and then you know when sometimes maybe hitters are struggling a little bit is that something as a setter you take note of like, okay, they're struggling, let's try to get them going and maybe go back to them? Or, or how do you manage that when maybe they're not having an ideal night, but but knowing that everybody's needed and wanting to get them going? I think that's one of the hard things about being a setter and just understanding the flow of the game, who's doing well, who's not. There's different tactics you can take. Some setters, after someone makes an error, they won't set them again. And that could be a strong tendency. Or some setters are the opposite. So-and-so just made an error. I'm going to set him again, try and get him going. I think it kind of just depends on the hitter and what works for them. And that's why relationships between the setter and the hitter are so important. So, for example, maybe, like, if Merritt was struggling, she could tell Bergen, hey, like, I need a couple couple plays off. Come back to me, then I'll be ready. Or someone like Harper, right after she makes an error, she's turning to Bergen, like, set me this ball. So it kind of depends on on the player and just what they need in that moment and that's a lot of a lot of a setter's job is understanding what your hitters need but there's a lot of different tactics but like I said we try to not really change our offense too much we have kind of our our big goals and then if someone's kind of struggling maybe we go away from them and come back a little bit and then on the flip side of that when someone's having a big night can you have a tendency to maybe want to keep going back to them when you're when you're feeling it in that moment oh yeah we we say feed the hot hitter and yeah. I think that's what you saw this weekend with Merritt Beeson and with Bergen. Just she understood that Merritt was pretty much unstoppable for a better portion of the weekend. And so then and that's kind of one of Bergen's things is she likes to find who's hot and find who's getting her kills and just kind of trust that person. And so I think we saw that definitely play out this whole weekend. Is there certain moments as a setter that you do maybe subconsciously, maybe unsubconsciously feel like, OK, I feel most comfortable going to this person in this situation? Totally. There is. There's that comfortability of setting someone who you know you have a good connection with and just you could set them from anywhere. And I think setters have a lot of tendencies in a lot of different ways. It could be pass dependent. It could be score dependent. It could be just certain situations. And so I think that there's definitely that natural tendency to kind of try and find the person that you're comfortable with. But one thing we're working on a lot right now is just how we're talking through the play and just how we're communicating and how we're calling the ball as hitters. Because when you're a setter and let's say we're playing in transition, so not first ball where we call a play, if we're playing in transition, the hitters get to run whatever they want and the setter just has to listen. So if they're not calling it urgently or if they're not calling it at all, it makes it a setter's job really hard. So that's something we're really focusing on right now too is just how we're talking in transition throughout the play. You know, you've talked a lot about how talented Bergen is and and just her demeanor but how is her communication as a freshman and a young setter figuring this thing all, all out she is not afraid to say what's on her mind or just to speak the truth and I think as a freshman it's hard to come in to a new environment and lead the team in the way that she has but I think she's just very calm and so if she has something to say people listen and they know okay like she's thought about this she's not just acting emotionally or acting based on the last play. But I think I know that the way she talks to the hitters and the way that they can talk back to her, back to her is a, it's a great relationship. And that's 
to me, one of the biggest pieces of being a great setter is just how are you understanding your hitters and, and being selfless. But I think, I just think she has a, a great level head that makes people be like, okay, I have to listen to her, you know? One of the things Lauren talked about on the broadcast, I don't think it was this past weekend, but maybe the weekend before that I, was, I wanted to dive into with you is her back setting. Talk to us through that, what that means and, and how that's been a process for her. Mm-hmm. So at our level, you want to have a balanced offense. You want to be able to set the middles out front and behind, and you want it to be kind of even essentially. But a lot of times you'll see when the pass comes off or if the pass is less than ideal or the dig isn't where you want it, you'll see a lot of teams only setting their left side. And some teams can survive on that. Some teams can't. If you if that's like your dominant player, you have to rely on that. But we're we're really lucky that we have such a balanced team and we have great hitters in every position. But since the day Bergen stepped on campus and we've really talked about offense all off season in the spring, I was talking to those setters about, hey, if we can just set a couple more balls to the middle or to overhead to our opposites, our offense is going to go up. Because last year we ended up being a little bit too left side dominant and we had a lot of different moving parts. Um, Just defensively was always different. We had a setter in the back row always, so we're out of system a ton. But I was just preaching to them from the very beginning of this year. If we can set overhead, back set a little bit more, our offense is going to go up. So we've been prepping that since January. But just in terms of setting and um, Bergen, she's incredibly deceptive. So she doesn't show when she's going to set it forward or when she's going to set it back. But honestly, half of it is just making the choice to set it not to the left side. And it, it can be easy to, to play that type of volleyball in. But for her to take risks and set the middle or set our right sides has been huge. Is that something that you have to develop so that it is deceptive, that it isn't giving um, uh, the, your cards away as to where you're going? Yeah, there's a couple different things. I mean, we want our setters to be in the same posture all the time, just A, for consistency of set location. If you're changing how you set forward versus how you set backwards, you're going to have a hard time when you get in the heat of moment and the bullets are flying and, and that type of thing. So we want them to be, we call it neutral and balanced when they're setting whoever for set location and then for deception. So for her and for Kenna as well, they both look pretty much the same no matter where they're setting. So when the other side's watching us and we're playing against ourselves in practice and stuff, no one has any clue where the ball is going and it makes it really tough on our middles and then that helps them in game two playing defense. But it's just, it's all about being neutral and then from that deception kind of happens as well. You know, the other night I, I hosted coaches show for for uh, JB and he I asked him about, you know, hiring assistant coaches and he said setters always make the best coaches, but you did it, you went through it. But now that you're coaching, is there something that you continue to try to evolve so that, I mean, did you learn, I guess, how to coach the position even more than even when you were just playing it? Yeah, I think just offense in general and the decision-making and everything that goes behind it is very complex and it's easy to coach in the moment. Like if you saw a middle kind of followed our middle and then we set right into it, there was a double block. It's really easy to say, hey, we shouldn't make that choice when you're just watching. But when you're out there, you can't see all the same things that your coach can see. So for me, it's been the biggest push I've made has been just offense, decision-making, choices, why certain choices are good, why certain choices aren't good. And for me, that's kind of been our biggest push. And a lot of that happens in video, just studying the game, watching elite teams, international teams, men's volleyball teams, and just learning from others. And then 
having that knowledge in the back of your head when you're in a match so you don't have to think about it because when you're thinking about who you have to set every single time, it's not a fun place to be. And so for me, it's just teaching our setters about offense and what that means more so than just we killed the ball, we didn't kill the ball. There's a lot in between yeah. there, and that's kind of what we've been focused on mm -hmm. since January. Oh, uh, makes sense. Uh, the, the technique part of it, was that something that has evolved for you, how you coach that? Yeah, I think when I was learning how to set, it was more so certain footwork patterns. You have to always go left, right, and you have to always face the left side when you're setting. And that's like a great baseline and great for consistency, especially when you're younger. But now when you watch internationally, there's setters who are doing all different footworks. They're going off of one foot. They're going right, left instead of always left, right. And there's a lot of different things there that you can kind of, if you just watch volleyball at a high level, it's not so cookie cutter, especially the setter position. And so a lot of that is kind of just what works for each setter, but knowing here's what the best in the world are doing. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should look at some of that, but more so technically, I would say the way we kind of back set is a little bit different than other people. We don't, like I said, square up all the time and then back set from there. We'll kind of move around a little bit and square. Sometimes we don't even square up and some coaches are like, what's going on here? Like, I don't understand, but um, it's, it's different. But I would say like our back set mechanics are a little bit different and we don't rely as much on just your hands. And a lot of setting is your hands and People look for that, but there's so much more. It's in the footwork. It's in how you're using the ground and using your legs and how you're even using your arms and not just your wrists. So I would say that's kind of the biggest difference for us is it's not only your hands. There's a lot that goes into it. Fascinating. All right, let's talk this weekend. You Going back to that midweek match on Wednesday and then Sunday, how nice is it to have that split at this point in the season? For a recovery standpoint, it's phenomenal, especially coming off, to, off of a long road trip and being back home and getting settled. But just mentally being able to focus on one team at one point, play the match, maybe have an off day or a light practice, focus on the next team. It's, it's just phenomenal. And then being back home and feeling comfortable in your own environment is, is always a plus. So um, I'm sure you guys have already started diving into Northwestern. Uh, what's, what are kind of the keys for that match? So we've played them once before, so it's always good to kind of have some data. They didn't have their big left side hitter when we played them. She was out due to an injury, and so she's back now. So there's going to be some adjustments that they're going to make, and she was one of those players who got a ton of attempts for them. And so we're going to have to prepare for that really hard because we didn't see her round one. And so just being able to be ready for that will be huge. And then just like I said, we have some data from before, so knowing what works, what didn't work, and kind of revis revisiting that stuff. You know, with... Six matches left, I think, is what I counted, and, and three weeks left of the season. What is the focus now for this team as, again, you, you move towards the back half of the regular season and you are getting closer to that postseason? November is always a hard point in the season because this is when high school volleyball ends. So our freshmen, and we see it every year, they're not used to, like, okay, we have two more months, hopefully, and it's it's a long season, and it's – it's a grind. So right now it's kind of about the point where you kind of see the freshmen and just our team in general, things get a little bit stagnant and that's natural and, and it happens. But for us, we're kind of trying to focus on each week. Like what's a goal that we have for this week? And right now our, our theme is widen the gap. So we have this incredible season that we've played so far. We haven't lost yet, but there's still room for improvement. And so for us, it's about, okay, how can we widen the gap? before we play Northwestern. 
okay, great. What can we get better at from that match going on to our next match? And so I think it's the point of the year where you have to have little goals to kind of keep you going. And it's natural to kind of get excited for December and the tournament's coming up. But we're just trying to keep our focus on what's directly in front of us. And those midweek games really, really help us with that. But it's just, what's our goal for this week? Like, what am I going to get better at this week? What is our team going to get better at this week? And then checking off those little boxes will help us get through this kind of last push of our season. So what are the goals for this week then? We actually just met yesterday as a staff a little bit. Some of our out-of-system attacking isn't very good. We're phenomenal in-system. We pass pretty good most of the time, but we end up out-of-system a ton. I think Bergen is second on our team in digs, so we're, that means she's not setting the ball right. So it's Lexi, it's our middle backs, it's our middles, like we talked about Andy. So playing from there is huge, and we have a saying where we want to play like we're in-system when we're out-of-system. So that's a big big push for us. Um, defensively, we feel like we could block more balls. So a couple of technique things there. Um, that's a big one. And then obviously we talk about serving a ton. We're trying to continue to attack with our serve and um, just make that a weapon for us, not just we're putting the ball in play. So those would be a couple of the things here and there. Yeah, good to know. I, I should have asked you this earlier. I, I Was it Rutgers or Penn State that Lexi made like a – Back set across the court. Do you remember that? Shoot. Which you've talked about Lexi before, but yeah. I think it was Lauren that was really talking about it and JB, but like she was across and she back set like that or like, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to do it. Like, you know, and then it was like on the money, I believe to Harper. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I think it was Penn State. I feel like she was running back almost off the court, but um, that's something we train every day. Every day we do, it's called setter dig, where the setters dig the ball, someone else has to set it, I'll step in there and I'll shank one really, really bad because that <laughs> happens, you know? And so um, I think that was kind of the situation that Lexi was in, but just her knowing that she's got that second ball no matter where it is, and we have the standard of, I don't care where the dig is, you got to put up a good ball for your hitters. And so with that, we've we've shown some big out-of-system sets and some big moments, and Merritt's had a couple too, and Laney's always flying around, but um, we definitely want to prioritize that and, and be really good when it'd be really easy to be really bad. Are you a good shanker? I'm a great shanker. <laughs> I don't even have to try. I just dig it, and it goes not where I want it to go. Oh, that's awesome. One of the things we found out last week, you're a big fan of the nerd clusters. That's oh, yeah. It. We talked about candy last week with Jalen. Oh, I did see that that was the little clip. I like the the gummy nerd clusters, specifically the blue bag. Yes. It's way better than – the pink one's really, really good, too, but the blue bag is, like, the berry flavor, so that's he, the best one. Uh, he also said that if I would have – he wouldn't have heard what I asked him. You would have been able to come in here and say what his favorite candy is. Oh, yeah. He loves the purple Skittles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun stuff. Well, best luck this weekend and, and great stuff as always. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And that is Kelly Hunter for another episode of The Dig, powered by Emeritus. Thanks for listening. And as always, make sure you subscribe and like wherever you listen to Emeritus Network.